So tonight we're going to talk about Shiddha Prabhupada and our experiences with Shiddha Prabhupada. Uh, it all began actually uh, when I, before I joined this movement, I was searching for a guru. I was living in Boston with my husband and I was trying out different gurus. I was going guru shopping and trying out the different gurus to see what they could do for me. And uh, so I was trying one guru. He said, yes, you do this yoga exercises. You do this meditation morning, night. Rest of the day you do it as you like. And in six months you can become God. Didn't work. <laughs> so uh, I also tried, we came to the temple, and I asked the devotees, so what is your, what is your process? They say, you chant, you dance, and you eat prasad. And I said, so if I follow this process, what can I hope to achieve? And they said, well, you will see God. I said, yes, I want to see God, I don't want to be God. I can't be God. So then, I, every, then I tried, and after about three, four months, um, they said, Prabhupada is coming, why don't you stay at the temple for the weekend? So that weekend I stayed, and then the second, the day Prabhupada was supposed to arrive, he, he phoned up and he said, uh, I won't be able to come, and I'm sending four sannyasis instead. So one of those sannyasis was Vishnijan Maharaj, who was very famous for his kirtan. We were out day and night on Harinam. And uh, after that weekend, I was so happy. I said, why should I go back home? So I went and said goodbye to my husband, and I joined the temple. He joined two months later. He joined two months later. It took him a little longer than me. So then um, we were in Boston. We were doing Harinam 10 hours a day every day, except Sunday, Sunday feast. And so it was, it was very wonderful. We, were, uh, we didn't have to go to Mangalarti in those days. We were up till midnight out on the streets. And, and Mangalarti was going on, but we weren't going. So then one day the Pujari complained to Prabhupada, nobody's coming to Mangalarti. So then Prabhupada, then we had to start. From, after two months, we started uh, going to Mangalarti. And uh, then we got less sleep because we still were out late at night. But it was very wonderful, wonderful, joyous time. So after six months, um, they sent us to Florida from Boston. Boston is very high up north and Florida is the bottom. How are they going to send us? Uh, is that true? He was that Ramagrihasta. He said, yes, we're sending you, not by plane, and not by train, and not by bus. Hitchhike. He dropped us off on, on, the, on the road with our belongings, which wasn't much. We had a few boxes. We didn't have suitcases in those days. And off we were to Florida. We got a ride to New York, but after that, then they let us collect. But it, we were a very strange sight in those days because we didn't have saris or dhotis. We just had sheets that we were wearing, sheets of cloth. 
orange for brahmachari and brahmacharini, and yellow for grihastas. So that's what we were wearing. That was our uniform. So people, when they would see us, they, would, they wouldn't understand at all where we were coming from. So then after eight months, um, I had to wait for initiation because the standard was six months, but they told me to wait for my husband. So I waited. Um, it was eight months, and then he was also six months. And I asked him, so what's been initiated? He said, I'm not ready. And so I said, well, I, I can't wait any longer. So I wrote a letter to Prabhupada. I had to make my beads. I had to make our own beads. We had to string them. We didn't have beads from India. We had to go to the shop and buy beads and string them up and send them. And Prabhupada would, by mail, we would send our beads. I sent them to India with a letter uh, to, if you don't accept me, then what is the use of my life? Because there is a verse in Second Canto that says, if you don't get the dust of the lotus feet of the pure devotee on your head, then you're like a dead boy. So I wrote that to Prabhupada, I quoted that verse. And he wrote me a letter back and he said, yes, your real father, your first birth is from your material father and real birth is from the spiritual master. Is your real, he's your real father. So he said, he gave me six instructions uh, to always chant Hare Krishna Maha Mantra at least 16 rounds and to follow strictly the four regular principles, to read and study all the books, to go on Sankirtan and preach, and to do deity worship, five instructions. And then the last one, those five I've been able to follow for the last 48 years, and the last one is still to come, 24 hours be engaged in Krishna's service. And actually, when I think back on it, that, um, that weekend that I stayed at the temple, it was like I wasn't ready to join, but Prabhupada gave me the push that I needed, an extra push to join the temple. Because even though he didn't come, he said he was coming, and that was enough. That uh, many, at least four or five of us, stayed the weekend, and we never went back home after that. That was it. We all got that push. Prabhupada's coming. And that was enough. And he, so whenever you're, you're hesitating to take the next step in your spiritual life, then the guru pushes sometimes. So Prabhupada gave me that push. He gave us that push that we needed to actually um, join and live in the temple. Because that time, and now it's the opposite. Hardly nobody lives in the temple and everybody lives outside, but that time only everybody was in the temple, even the, the married people were living in the temple with the brahmacharis uh, together. Everybody was in the same building, and if you were outside, you were in Maya. And so now, <laughs> yeah, that's how it was in the early days. And we also were living like the brahmacharis. We had no money, we had nothing. So it was, that's how it was. We didn't have jobs. We were just chanting on the streets, doing Harinam, selling back to Godhead magazines. So, yeah, then uh, after, so then after I got those six instructions, then Prabhupada wrote me another letter 
And he told me how to, and what, with what attitude I should follow those six instructions. And he gave me three, three um, qualities that I should cultivate. He said sincerity and enthusiasm and cooperation with the other devotees. These three things, how, how I should engage in devotional service. And so Prabhupada, again, he was giving me more instructions, personal instructions. So then after a year and a half in America, Prabhupada asked for 50 devotees to come to India. So we were chosen, we're sending you to India, right? <laughs> so again, we had to, we got up to New York somehow or other, and then they let us collect for our ticket. Within three weeks, we collected, you know, for two one-way tickets. We went, we got one-way tickets because Prabhupada told us to go, but he didn't tell us to go back. So we just went. That was it. <laughs> we stayed. But out of only out of fifty he wanted only twenty-five went and out of twenty-five who went maybe five stayed. Because it was very, very difficult. Um, there was no facility, no drinking water. Everybody was sick. And um, I remember the first day I arrived in Juhu Bambe. They were living in a hut, the men were living in a hut. The ladies' ashram was on the roof of a building, and it was summer, it was May, pretty hot. Um, so then we were in Prasad, the hut was the men's quarters, the office, the kitchen, the Prasad room, everything in one hut, just one room, but it was, that one room was for everything. Yeah. And so I would, the first day we were eating prasadam, and these huge rats were running across the rafters. And I was really worried one is going to fall on my plate. I was just watching them. And then one fell, but not in my plate. I was really happy. <laughs> I shouldn't have been, but <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it was, it was my first day in India. And the drinking water was um, in a clay pot with a lid, and you took, took off the lid, and all these bugs would fly up from it, and then we had to drink that. So we were sick. We, were, we didn't have proper facilities in those days. And um, so when Dr. Patel, he was very compassionate. He, he, got, he went and collected money, to, and he donated mattresses and mosquito nets. But within one or two years, the devotees lost everything he donated. And so he was complaining to Prabhupada's devotees. They don't take care of themselves. And Dr. Patel, he was like a, an impersonalist. His goal was to merge into the Brahman. So Prabhupada, he commented that, yes, these devotees, they don't care if they have to sleep on the floor. They don't care for austerities. That liberation you so much desire, they already have. They're liberated. <laughs> it said we were liberated. So that was, that was uh, Prabhupada. So after two weeks in Bombay, they sent us to Calcutta to meet the Pujaris. To meet Pujaris for Radha Govinda. So that is where 
I got more association with Srila Prabhupada. But my first, actually my first time I saw Prabhupada was in um, Gainesville, Florida, before we, we left for India. I saw Prabhupada the first time. And uh, I had been practicing for about nine months by that time. And uh, so I saw him at the airport and then I started to walk behind him to follow him. And as soon as I was walking, following him, I felt the first time in my life I felt like here is where I belong. My whole life I never felt like I belonged in the school with the children uh, or anywhere. I never felt like I really belonged there. When I was 10 years old, I was sitting in my classroom and looking at the children and I was thinking, I'm not one of them. <laughs> I don't know where I'm from. Maybe I'm from another planet or maybe I'm from another country or planet. Well, one thing I know is I'm not American. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I just couldn't identify. Uh, India was a little bit better, more at home. I felt more like, okay, it's a little better than America. But when I saw Prabhupada in America, then that was, then I understood, here's where I belong, I can follow him the rest of my life. So that was the feeling of security, of, of uh, protection I had when I was following Shri Prabhupada. I still have that feeling when I followed Prabhupada. So in India, the first time I had association with Prabhupada was in Vrindavan, 1972. We went to India in 1972. We joined in 1970, and then we went to India in 72. So, at that time, Prabhupada was speaking on nectar of devotion. He was giving classes on nectar of devotion. And um, he was trying to convince the Brijabhasis to accept us as Vaishnavas. That although we're born in the Western countries, born in Mlech families. Still we were, uh, we had changed our lives by chanting Hare Krishna and following the regulative principles, even more so than some of the people, that, some of the bridge bhastis, we were following more strictly than they were. Some of them were eating meat and smoking and doing and everything. So, um, yeah, so we were, uh, we were having classes morning, evening, and then after the class in the evening, Prabhupada would have darshan in his temple, in the, in, not his temple, in the room, his room in Radha Dhammajar, in his bedroom. He would have darshan. So one time Prabhupada was sitting, and there were some bananas at his feet. So one monkey ran in, grabbed the bananas, and ran, ran back out. And probably said, just see how intelligent that monkey is. You would never dare to do that. He said, but don't be intelligent for eating, like the monkey. Don't be intelligent for eating. And so, Prabhupada, he would give us different instructions. One time in his darshan, he, he called me and he said, my sister tells me 
you speak Bhagavatam very nicely. So I was I couldn't answer because I never spoke Bhagavatam. I couldn't remember. I never did. So I was wondering what is his sister talking about? And so then I remembered on Janamashtami of in Calcutta Temple, we had the tradition of reading Krishna book from morning till night. So I had been reading from the Krishna book in English and Prabhupada's sister was sitting in front of me and she only knew Bengali. She didn't know English. So, and I was reading, I was very dramatic, Krishna left the gopis and this and that. And she said, then she told Prabhupada, she speaks Bhagavatam very nicely. <laughs> that was my, but what happened was very interesting that 30 years later after it actually happened, I started speaking Bhagavatam. So then I thought, well, if a pure devotee says something, it must come true. He said, I speak Bhagavatam, so it happened. And then I started speaking Bhagavatam. So then, after that, in Vrindavan, uh, yeah, there was... Uh, uh, somebody, there was one sannyasi, one of our sannyasis, who was joking with Srila Prabhupada because Prabhupada said that all the dogs, hogs, and monkeys in Vrindavan, in their last life, there were devotees who lived in Vrindavan but who committed offenses to the Holy Dham. So if you commit offense to the Holy Dham, you become born in your next life as a hog, a dog, or a monkey. So the hogs, you could see the hogs, they were just living in the sewage and eating it all. And they were happy, very happy cleaning up the sewage. So this sannyasi was joking with Prabhupada, yeah, this, this life they're making it dirty and next life they come to clean it off again. And so, um, yeah. So back in Calcutta, um, Prabhupada came. Uh, in 1973, he was on his way to Mayapur, and one devotee, his Sanskrit editor, Pradumna, he saw me and he knew me, uh, he, because when I was in Boston, I was also typing uh, Bhagavad Gita at a glance, not at a glance, Bhagavad Gita as it is, for Macmillan Company. We were doing the typesetting in, um, in the temple in the temple in Boston before for printing. So he, he knew me and he said to me, how would you like to come with Srila Prabhupada to Mayapur? He needs someone to type Chaitanya Charitamrita. I said, yes. He said, so all you have to do is learn how to read Bengali and we're leaving tomorrow. <laughs> I said, no problem, I'm coming. <laughs> so I learned, they gave me a book and I learned how to read and I was off the next day. I share Prabhupada because Prabhupada said impossible is a word in a fool's dictionary. So I, I, we didn't, we thought, okay, if we get some order, we can just do it. We never thought, how can I do this? How can I do it? We didn't think, we just did it. We got some order from Prabhupada. So I was off to Mayapur with Prabhupada. And I was, uh, it was again another austerity. Calcutta was another austerity, no water, no electricity. 
Mayapur, there, we were living in the Lotus Building, which was still under construction. It wasn't. It was in the process of being built, and there was bathrooms, but there was no water because the pipes weren't connected. So we had to go down to a pump and pump up water and bring it up. And uh, the latrine was somewhere far away in some remote field. And it was <laughs> very difficult. So, um, yeah, we were, ladies' ashram again was very austere. We, were, we had a room, but the room, most of the rooms, they had doors, but the doors had no handles. So you couldn't really close the, you could, you couldn't close, you closed the door, but the wind would just blow it right open. And there was heavy wind and rain. And uh, there were like no windows, there were just holes in the wall. Uh, so, and the ladies' ashram, we had, we had a connected to another room which had a door. We had no door. And to get to the door, the next room had no floor. And we were up on the first floor. And so we had to walk on this plank to get to the door. So that was the ladies' ashram. <laughs> and we were living in the construction site uh, without any helmets or anything. So I was typing in another room um, for Shida Prabhupada. And I had the dictaphone headphones on. I was on the floor with a manual typewriter. I don't think, I don't know if any of you have ever seen one. It's no electricity. You've seen. Yeah, you, you, you type it and then return means you have to smash it. Yeah, you have to return. Yeah. And when we were doing layout, we were doing a typesetting in Boston. It was very similar. We had to. Uh, we had, there was a big machine and you would type one line and then you would read the dial A4 or B6 and then at the end of the line you would type the number and the letter and then you do it on photographic paper, it was the final copy and we would have to set the dial before each line and then it would come out straight and then layout, it was literally layout all over the floor and cut and paste was, we had, if there was a mistake, we had to retype it and they would cut it and paste it. And that's where you get cut and paste. It was actually cut and paste <laughs> in uh, <laughs> 1970. Uh, yeah, we had to just retype the word and they would cut it out and paste it on the layout, which was laid out all over the floor. So it was layout and cut and paste. And, and we had these yeah, and the typewriters, even in Boston, even in America, we didn't have electric typewriter. We just had a manual. So manual typewriter uh, in India, and then, um, so I was sitting there on the floor, on a, maybe I had a trunk or something, I don't know what I was typing on. And uh, I had this big, huge Bengali book open, Chaitanya Charitamrita. And I would hear Prabhupada say the Bengali, and I would read the Bengali from the book, and I would type it in English letters, transliterate. And Prabhupada saw me doing that, and he said, oh, you know Bengali? I said, yes, Shri Prabhupada. <laughs> I just learned how to read the day before, but I didn't really know any Bengali. So he used to come to my room, so I went to his room, and um, he said, so, you know Bengali? Yes, Shri Prabhupada. So I want you to learn how to type on a Bengali typewriter. And we will do many books together. 
So I had visions, oh, I'll travel with Prabhupada and we will do many books together. But it never happened because they called me back to be Pujari in Calcutta. Because all the Pujaris left because we got a new temple president, Gargamuni, and everybody was afraid of him, so they just <laughs> ran away. <laughs> so they called us, us to be head Pujari in Calcutta. And, um, but I did learn how to type on Bengali typewriter. There was one Brahmachari who was teaching me. And so I was typing and I told him, look, you don't have to look at the keys. You just remember where the keys are and then you look at the paper and type. He said, oh, now I understand what Prabhupada told me. He told me, you teach her and you also learn from her at the same time. So I was teaching him touch typing in Bengali. Um, but then the words of Prabhupada came true that many, many years later, 30 years later, I started writing books with Shri Prabhupada. I mean, his inspiration. I was doing books together with him. Books that I have Bhagavatam at a glance, Gita at a glance. So, um, what happened next was I was the Pujari in Calcutta, and that's where I had more experience with Shri Prabhupada, but not too much. I was, one time I was doing Mangalarti, and uh, I turned around to offer the Gilam to the devotees, and Prabhupada was standing right behind me. So I didn't know, should I just, should I do puja, or should I offer it, what should I do? So I think I did a quick puja, and then I offered it to Srila Prabhupada. And the whole Archie, he was standing right behind me watching me, and I was like so nervous and very focused. And then afterwards I thought, well, I should do all my service like that. That Prabhupada is standing right behind me and watching me do my service. And then um, another time, Prabhupada was so amazing. One time I went on a morning walk with him. And I was late, I was, I was catching up to the group, and I came, I offered obeisances, and Prabhupada stopped everything. Hare Krishna, he said. So he noticed me, it's not like he was too busy, he was in his own walk, you know, doing things. He had the time, he had the time for us. He noticed us, I was just some insignificant devotee, one among thousands, and, but he had the time to say hello, to say Hare Krishna, to notice me. So I, I was very grateful for that. And then we were walking, but it was like, he was walking so fast, and I, it was hard for us to keep up. We were in our 20s, he was in his 70s. And I was trying to figure out, how does he walk so fast? I couldn't figure out. And then we would watch him, he would give class, and we were just like, fixed on him. He would do so many mudras during class. Um, one time one, there was a film of him giving a class and one dance teacher in South India showed the film of Prabhupada to his students and said, in his class, in his class this Guruji has gone through all the mudras <laughs> and that we have. So, yes, it was, he was actually doing mudras. It was just so fascinating to watch him and how he would drink water, how he would do anything. When, I, when we would look at him, 
it was like watching a movie, like a film. He, he, we, and I was trying to figure out, is he here? Or is he another dimension? Where is he? Because he didn't look like he was here exactly. He looked completely in a different world. And he was in a different world. But we could never, I could never figure him out with my intelligence. And I realized, no, it's only by serving, by devotion. Then you can understand the group, Prabhupada. Not by using your brain or your mind. So then, uh, another time, we had uh, Radha Govinda and Jagannath deities, Gaur Radha Govinda and Jagannath, two altars. And behind the deities, there was an open window. And every day, sometimes we would have birds, sometimes we would have bats come in. Uh, but we had every day bees coming to the deities. On Radha Govinda's side, there were two bumblebees coming. And we had every day, we had so many flowers. I had one man was donating 50 garlands a day for our deities. I would change the flowers five times a day. And we had um, 144 lotuses in the vases. We had big, big, big lotuses. 144 roses. We had so many flowers. So every day on Radha Govinda's side, the bumblebees were coming. And on Jagannath's side, small, small bees were coming and sitting on the garlands, just like description of Vaikuntha, where the bees are sitting on the garlands. So we had one side Vaikuntha and other side was Goloka, we had the bumblebees coming. And so Prabhupada commented on that. He said when the bees are coming to the deities, then Krishna is pleased with the worship. So we had the bees coming every day. And um, another, sometimes Prabhupada would chastise us and sometimes he would praise us. Uh, one time, because we had, uh, the lights were always going out, uh, electricity was going out, so we had these big, big ghee lamps, huge ghee lamps, and we had to burn them most of the time. But um, one time Prabhupada noticed that we weren't cleaning them so well. So he, he called us, he said, um, why are these ghee lamps dirty? Who has done this? Oh. So then you really feel like you want to disappear somewhere, but you can't, um, as he got you. Uh, but he would also praise us too. He really liked the flowers a lot. And one time he called, he was on his Vyasa son, surrounded by sannyasis, on his way to Mayapur, from Mayapur. He would always stop in Calcutta. So he called us up and he said, thank you very much for worshiping Radha Govinda so nicely. And then we were offering obeisances and afterwards, one sannyasi told us, did you hear what Prabhupada said when you offered obeisances? And we said, no. And he said, be blessed. So we got the blessings. And we were very happy. Oh, we pleased our spiritual master. We got the blessings. But then the next day, I, I, I understood, okay, I got the blessing yesterday. Now today, I have to earn them again. <laughs> you have to keep on trying to earn the blessings and please the spiritual master and then your life will be perfect. So basically, mostly my association was through Prabhupada's books, reading his books. I read them maybe 15, 20 times. Um, so 
that is where most of my association um, was gotten. But uh, I did have a little bit. And another time, oh yeah, I remember. Another time was um, it was giving Bhagavad Gita class. Ninth chapter, verse eleven. Avijananti mamudha manushintanumashitam. So the the men were reciting the verse. They had the books. The ladies didn't have any books. So I said it by memory. And Prabhupada was so happy that I knew the verse. He really liked when you learned the verses. He really liked it. We knew verses and things that we were reading his books. He wanted us to read his books. So I'll stop there if there's any questions you can ask at this point. Yes. Did he talk about the importance of Kadashi? Well, he didn't. Um, the only place that I remember is from Nectar of Devotion, where he, he said we should um, increase our chanting and hearing on Kadashi. That was the main thing. Reduce. But if we're out preaching, then, he, then nothing is, then we should just distribute books and preach. That came first, even before Kadashi. Um, but at one time, one time, um, Prabhupada arrived at a temple at midnight, and uh, they had, uh, and they had these simply wonderfuls, and they had powdered sugar with may maybe had some grains in it, so. They asked Prabhupada, what shall we do now? It's midnight, it's a Kadashi now, it became a Kadashi. So it's okay, so Prabhupada said, we are not fanatics. <laughs> so he had those Simply Wonderfuls and distributed them. I believe even one time they broke a Kadashi, it was. But in Calcutta we broke a Kadashi one time. The cook put peas in the sabji. Prabhupada didn't break and his servant didn't break, but everyone else in the temple broke. Tamal Krishna also. And so I went to Prabhupada and Prabhupada said, okay, you follow the next day. If you break on Akadashi day, then you observe the next day. So we had to observe. Basically, we had, you have to observe two days in a row almost um, because of that one mistake and you have to observe. But we didn't do um, Nirjal as far as I, we did Nirjal only on Janmashtami. I remember doing Nirjal and Jamashtami. And we, and we didn't fast, we didn't have a Kadashi fast on Jamashtami also. It was always grains. Jamashtami and Gorpanima were the only full fast days. And the other ones we, were, we would fast till noon, like Ram Nomi and Nishinga, Chaturdashi, we would fast till noon. And the Kadashi, we, we just in the regular, and we didn't have we didn't have the times to break the next day. We didn't have the calendar, the Vaishnava calendar, so we didn't know how what time to break a kadashi. We didn't know in those days. We we had not many rules, not many rules and regulations. Spontaneous devotional service, pretty much, <laughs> very spontaneous. <laughs> so that's yeah. A lot of rules were introduced afterwards, so it's hard for us to to follow them.
But yeah, we, we followed the Kadashi the best we could. But that if we broke it, then we had to do the next day. We didn't have this, what, Bhima Nirjal Akadashi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it okay, like, if you just pass on another day, just not the day after, but you, you make, make time for, like, a day where you give more time for the Lord, like, you chant more and you do more budget and, um... Yeah, that, that's always good to pick a day and do more chanting. <laughs> that's great. But Akadashi, um... Uh, if you don't get a chance to chant more, at least observe the uh, no grains. That much you should do. And then then you're fasting. If you just eat the fruits and the vegetables. Uh. I, heard, I heard that because um, Kali Yuga, in front of Kali Yuga, I mean, I've seen grains in a okay. It could be. It could quite, quite well be. And in gold and in um, Oh, gold for sure. Gold for sure. Hoarded gold. If you hoard it. If you use it for Krishna, then Kali is not there. If you hoard it, if you hoard money, don't spend, give some donation for Krishna, then it's you you will have problem with your money. People your family will fight with you. Or the government will fight with somebody will fight with you and try to get your money. Mm-hmm. Any other? Questions? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like to be around devotees that had like the level of devotion that would go in on 10 hours a day like Vishnu Janswami personalities? <laughs> what was that experience like? Uh, the experience of being around Vishnu Swami was uh, you had the feeling you were with a person who is not of this world and who was very compassionate and loving towards everyone. That he didn't discriminate between anybody. He saw everyone equally, and, and equally he was giving his love to everyone. And, and, and not only love, he, as much love as he had for chanting, we could also, we were so inspired by his um, absorption in chanting the Holy Name, and his enthusiasm, and his relishing chanting the Holy Name, that we became inspired to also relish and be absorbed. It was like rubbing off on us. And so, not only, but not only did he have that quality of love for the Holy Name, he had the quality of compassion for all beings. And that's how he, ma he made so many devotees when they were traveling around America. And he made so many devotees. He would attract people. He attracted, I think, Hindu Maharaj, if I remember correctly. I think it was he who preached to Indaduna Maharaj to join. And because of him, like four or five of us joined that weekend, just by his influence. And he was a very charismatic person. And he was very attractive. It says that a devotee who has the Lord in his heart is very attractive. So he appeared like that. And he had he had captured somehow the Lord and he could give the Lord to us. He gave us taste for chanting the Holy Name. So that was that was how his association was. Uh, taste for chanting. Obviously a lot of love and devotion for Srila Prabhupada. So. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah he, he loved Srila Prabhupada. Love and devotion.
Mm -hmm. Well, three. <laughs> okay, yes. So at that, like, you know, so many years back, you, um, the devotees used to only meet Prabhupada once a year, or not even that, so right. many well, in India more. So, he was more in India. Like, you know, and what kept you, what kept devotees at that point of time so inspired to do what the devotees did? Instead of meeting, like, you know, I mean, like, by not meeting Prabhupada or, like, you know, the question is now, in this day and time, like, we don't meet gurus that often over here now as mm -hmm. well. and. Sometimes it's very hard to find that inspiration. So, what, what practical tips did you, uh, did devotees have at that point of time that we can implement now? Practical tips. Yeah. Well, um, it's very important to try to get up early and chant your rounds in the morning. Well, for us, it was um, because we had the morning program. And that, so we were fixed in the morning already. Uh, you know, like it was like from four in the morning until nine in the morning, four till nine. So just intense concentration on chanting and, and praying and singing. So that was very helpful. We were all together. We were all really together doing devotional service. And during the day we were together. Um, either out on book distribution or doing deity worship. So there was a, quite a sense of community. And also there was a lot of classes. We had three, four classes a day. So we were reading Prabhupada's books also. We were attached to reading Prabhupada's books, all of us. So this is, this is helpful. If you read Prabhupada's books, if you have some sort of morning program, Evening also is if you can, and uh, be with devotees. Yes. Thank you, Master, for your sharing your experiences and realizations. Uh, my question is: You came from from west to east, mm -hmm. so extreme uh, change in circumstances yeah. and facilities. And you explained the challenges of living in Mayapur in that room that you said. So why you were facing all those challenges? What kept you on on not being distracted by those, you know, immediate challenges? Well, and Prabhupada was and there. <laughs> <laughs> Prabhupada was there. So if Prabhupada was there, we didn't care what we did, <laughs> you know, basically. Prabhupada was there in Mayapur. Prabhupada was also having the same challenges. I mean, he had a, he had a floor, and we didn't have a floor, but he had a floor in his room. But he also didn't have water in his bathroom. He couldn't. I don't think he could use his bathroom either. I don't know how he, what he did. I remember Bhavananda was carrying his urine down. He was passing in a bucket or something. But uh, he was doing more austerities than we were. We couldn't keep up with him. So we thought, you know, you know, what are we doing compared to what he is doing? And he was in his 70s and we were in our 20s. So when we saw his example, then we were inspired and we thought, yeah, at least we should try to do something, although we can never catch up with what he's doing for us. He was doing so much. You had a question? Yeah. 
Thank you very much for the uh, talk because uh, you uh, made, it, made me feel that Prabhupada is here, sitting here. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prabhupada is here. Yeah. And uh, the question is, Nirjala Kadashi, did uh, Prabhupada uh, encourage Nirjala Kadashi, meaning, meaning that only water fasting, only Kadashi did? He, he, he never told us to do that. Only on Janamashtami we did. Janamashtami we did near Jol. But Kadashi, he just, he was very merciful, lenient. He just said, no grains. No yeah. He, didn't, he, he, he wanted us to go out and preach. And if you, if you go out and preach, you have to eat. Mm. You know, you can't just do near Jol. So we were really a preaching movement. We, were, we weren't sitting in the temple, basically. We were out preaching. Everybody was out. So to do that, you need, you need to eat to get strength. You need to eat to get strength. OK, any other questions? Jaya Goes to Shri Prabhupada, Hare Krishna.